Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Straight up with no chaser. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester. All right, let's get caught up with Sal Mariani. You can read his work at the DNC, DemocratandChronicle.com. Sal, you've been doing this a long time. We love having you on with us here in the sports bar, and and you paint a picture uh, better than most. I would love to know, as somebody who has been in this market as long as you have, just how different Rochester feels and how our, our community changes when we have an event like what we have coming up next week happens. Yeah, look, the PGA is our Super Bowl, like the... Jeff Corcoran said the other day in our media uh, scrum with him, the green super out there. And it is. I mean, we have a bunch of minor league sports that have their niche, you know, fan groups, and it's great. But when the PGA comes or whatever event, the Ryder Cup or the U.S. Open back in the day, this is Rochester's time to be on the world stage. And let's face it, Oak Hill does this about as well as any golf club in America hosts major tournaments. And, you know, I don't think the PGA of America – is blowing smoke up their butts when they say that. They're, they wouldn't be keeping to come back here if it wasn't the case. So, yeah, it's great when the when the PGA comes to town like this. I cannot wait for next week, Sal, and I know you'll be out there too. And there's one big difference uh, between the last time they were here 10 years ago. Uh, that's the month, uh, and I was a little concerned here because we all know the month of May, and if we get the day like today, uh, if we get them all next week, knock on wood, it'd be fine. And, look, we have this question to every Bill's guest when we get out to Fisher, is this the last time? Is this the last time? And, uh, you know, Sal, you're wired into the folks at Oak Hill. I mean, what's kind of the idea? I mean, as long as things go well this week, uh, you know, and will Rochester still get events like this in the future? Yeah, I, I think the, that Oak Hill is in the business of hosting major championships, and they're always going to do whatever is needed to make sure that happens. You know, they're already on board for the for the U.S. Amateur in 2027, and you know, I think I think some of us have kind of looked at that as maybe Oak Hill's way of getting back into the good graces of the USGA. I mean, they haven't had an open there since 89, and that's really the tournament I think Oak Hill covets the most. And, you know, there's, there's several reasons why the USGA hasn't had the open back in Rochester, most of those financial, of course. But they're taking the amateur, and it could be a way down the road to get back into the rotation for a, a, either a men's open, or it's very possible they could host, you know, maybe a U.S. women's open down the road. That's a tournament that Oak Hill has never had. Um, they make a big deal about, you know, they're, they, they're, they're, they're the only club in America that has hosted the combination of tournaments that they've hosted there. No other club has done that. The Ryder Cup helps because very few clubs get that. So you add a U.S. Women's Open to the list, say, 10 or 12 years down the road, and you've got one more thing to hang your hat on. So, yeah, to answer your question, Oak Hill is always going to have major championship. But the, the PJ of America – 
and maybe even not even the USGA, they're not going away. Sal, I'm going to ask you to paint a little bit more here. And I, you know, I know I and, and many Rochesterians appreciate the coverage that you're giving the Rochester Americans here in the postseason. Game five in Syracuse, uh, with, with the team giving up a, a late lead and then just to win it all uh, again in overtime in advance to the series that they kick off tonight in Toronto. Give us your take on what you saw to this Amherst squad there in round two of the Calder Cup playoffs. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun series to cover. That, that game five was crazy. Um, you know, they got off that four to one lead. There was a flurry of goals there in the second period. I thought it was really huge that uh, Syracuse scored. I think it was three nothing at the time. Syracuse scored. And the Amherst answered like whatever twenty seconds later. So I kind of thought they had it locked. But that goal at the end of the second period, they had a two man advantage, and that really changed uh, that that changed the game because the third period. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team get dominated as badly as the, the Amherst were. I mean, the puck had to be in there, and I'm guessing it was 18 out of the 20 minutes mm. the puck was in there. So it was a miracle. Quite frankly, it was a miracle that they survived and, and didn't lose the game in the third. They hung on until 30 seconds to go, and then Syracuse got the, you know, the screen goal there with the, with the goalie pulled. So then to bounce back in overtime and win it, it was that was huge. I was really impressed by the Amherst's ability to put that really heartbreaking end of regulation behind them and, and come out and take advantage of that power play they got to win the game. So, yeah, they've got a gritty bunch over there. This is going to be a tough series against Toronto. This is a really good team. They won the division, I think, by nine points, um, and they weren't playing good at the end. Toronto was way ahead most of the year in the division, and they kind of went into the crapper uh, the last month of the season. But, you know, they beat Utica. They've moved on to the next round. So it's going to be a tough series for the Emmerichs. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Sal Mayorana, Democrat and Chronicle, our guest. And, and Sal, you, you've been on the beat here in Rochester for a long time. And, and you know, with the PGA coming in next week, and, and hopefully the Amherst for the community here, they keep it going here. And it's your, your main beat is the Buffalo Bills. And I guess my question is, like, has our love of the Buffalo Bills actually taken away some of our identity here for Rochester as a sports town? Because well, going back to last year's Amherst Calder Cup playoff run, I didn't think we still had that in us as a sports town to show up for our teams that way. And, and Sal, I, I, I dream of a day where we, we have big things like this, including Division One basketball and everything else. But your thoughts on you know the state of Rochester sports here in the year 2023? Yeah, look, I mean, the Bills are just the dominant team in Buffalo, and people can argue about that. Not everybody that lives here is a Bills fan, but a lot of people are Bills fans here. It is a dominant team in the area, and for good reason. It's the NFL. I mean, you've got an NFL team 90 miles away. That's a pretty big deal. They get a lot of people from Rochester to all those games. So it's a, it's a huge, huge following in Rochester. I think that has hurt you know, some of the minor league teams in town. You know, They're minor league teams. That's the first and foremost thing. Even though it's AAA and – and the AHL, which is good minor league sports, it's still the passion's just not there, especially the way it used to be back in the day. I mean, I got here in the mid '80s, and and it was very passionate for both teams. But now, in this day and age, guys, when you can turn your TV on and there's 500 different channels and 20 different streaming services, and you can watch professional sports any time of any day, it's really hard for these minor league teams to establish that fan base. The Red Wings do it well because it's a night at the ballpark in the summertime. I, I honestly have said this a million times. 
I don't think, and I hate to say it too, I don't think people care if the Red Wings win or lose. They just want to be at the ballpark on a summer night and enjoy baseball. The Amherst is different. I think the Amherst have a very passionate fan base. It might not be as large as it once was, but there are still a very passionate group of people, and you have to be. To go downtown in December, January, and February to go to these games, you have to be into the game, and you do care if the Amherst win or lose. So I think that's the difference between the two teams. But you're right. The Bills are the dominant team. And our minor league teams, I think, have suffered a little bit because of that. Sal, I want to talk a little bit Buffalo Bills with you here. We'll get to the schedule in a moment. We've learned a couple of games for the Bills here coming up in the 2023 season, but we haven't had a chance to talk to you since the draft from a couple of weeks ago. And I wanted to get your take on on how the Bills, how you think the Bills performed in Kansas City for the NFL draft. Certainly, that first pick, you know, of of uh, Kincaid in in round one is it feels a little bit like a polarizing pick that not everybody is on board with what Brandon being did there in the first round? Yeah, I, I wasn't. When they first said tight end and then you know, they picked Kincaid, you know, I wasn't immediately on board. I'm like, oh, what? you know, you just signed your tight end to a four-year contract extension. Why would you draft a player who is going to get on the field maybe, you know, 30% of the time and not even be a prime target? But then when you when, when Bean explained exactly what they're going to do and, and what Kincaid can do, you know, then you can see what they're trying to accomplish there. He's going to be their slot receiver. It, it didn't work out with Isaiah McKenzie. He's gone. Cole Beasley's gone. Traditionally, that spot has been for, A, a wide receiver, and, B, sometimes a guy who's a small, shifty, quick guy like Beasley and McKenzie. They're going to go about it a little bit differently. According to – and I watched his highlights, and it's clear that the kid is a tremendous pass receiver, and he's a big kid. He's 245 pounds. But he does look like a wide receiver when he's running patterns and catching the ball. So if they're going to make him their primary slot guy and have Dawson Knox play the typical inline tight end position and then have him in the pattern, uh, you know, too, then I see what they were doing. So I kind of like the pick if it works out. That that could end up being a difference maker for the Bills offense because they haven't had that look before. Well, I agree with everything you said there. In theory, this all makes sense. I, I mean, Sal, I mean, we saw with like Naeem Hines, that wasn't put to use there. Like you bring in tools like a James Cook as a receiving back, and you don't see that. So my question to you is, like your, your trust level in Ken Dorsey that this is going to get executed the way that Brandon Bean kind of envisions here. I, I hope he can figure it out. I think the difference there is, you know, Cook and Hines being running backs out of the backfield. And, and we know that Josh Allen – you know, of all the great things that he does, one thing that he really hasn't been good at is getting the running backs involved in the passing game. He's not, you know, he, they don't rely on the short pass of the backs all too often. Kincaid is going to be a downfield guy, which is what Josh Allen likes to do. I don't think you're going to see Kincaid running a whole lot of Cole Beasley, you know, five-yard turnaround type of routes. I think he's going to be stretching the field into the intermediate area and that's what Josh Allen loves. And then, at the very least, he'll have either Cook or whoever's on the field, Damian Harris as the running back, to be the last check down if nothing else is there. That would be the difference, I think, between Kincaid and, as you said, bringing in Hines last year. I was surprised. I, th- I thought Hines was going to come in and was immediately going to be their third down pass catcher out of the backfield, and it just never happened. It was surprising but I think Kincaid's going to be a different beast on that in that, in that scenario. 
All right, Sal, so we know that they start their 2023 campaign in New York at MetLife on September 11th against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, Monday Night Football. And I like this matchup for the Buffalo Bills because going into that game, it really feels to me like all of the pressure in Week 1 will be on the Jets at home in prime time. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a huge event for the fans of New York, Aaron Rodgers, you know, his first game as a Jet. And I think, you know... You you could make the argument that it's probably best to get the Jets early in the year because, you know, as great as Rodgers is, you know, and he'll have the summer to get used to everybody and all that, but there's going to be some kinks to work out early in the season, and they may not be a fine-tuned machine, say, the way the Bills offense, you know, we could expect it has been that way for three years. I think the Bills are probably going to come out and be fine on offense with all the familiarity. Maybe maybe it's the right time to get Rodgers and the Jets early in the year while they're still trying to get things figured out. Again, he is Rodgers, though, and that kind of takes away from some of that theory. He's, he's still a great player, so it's a cool matchup. There's, there's no doubt it's a cool matchup for the Bills on, uh, on Monday night there. Yeah, when, when the, everything started last summer, Sal Mayorana, DNC is our guest, uh, at Fisher Bills were the, the the betting favorite. It was a new world, like, and for a long time they were living up to that. Sal, so they're not going to be the betting favorite this year. They might. Some people are going to be picking them uh, to finish, maybe even third in the division. How do you think this group is going to take this uh, in stride? Here is this actually kind of a good thing that the the shift uh, the focus is shifted elsewhere here? Yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, the players to play it doesn't matter at all, and, and maybe they're right. But I don't think it's ever good to be the betting favorite, to be the team everyone's looking at as the Super Bowl favorite in any season. I think you'd rather be coming in, you know, under the radar, not that the Bills will be under the radar, but, you know, at least flying below the radar as they go into the season. That should be fine for the Bills. And they could also use it as motivation. Look, their season ended really poorly. That game against the Bengals was awful. That was a bad way to go into the off season. So I think they've got some motivation. They want to prove that, you know, they truly are. They're a three-time defending division champ. They want to prove that they're still one of the top, you know, three, four, five teams in the league. So I think it's maybe a good thing that everyone's looking at the Chiefs and Eagles uh, as, the, as the top two teams in the NFL. Sal, we can't let you go without getting your take on the Yankees season up to this point. Uh, I know probably disappointing, but do you, do you get a sense that there might be a chance that they turn things around here as we start to get to the meat of the schedule? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's kind of been a maddening start because they're they're the, they're the Yankees every year. They get hurt. The team can't stay healthy. I mean, every day I wake up, I just assume someone's going to be on the IL. So at some point, if they ever get their team together, and I really don't think that'll ever happen that they're going to have the full team together, sure, they have a chance to turn it around. But they've spotted Tampa Bay such a big lead. Um, and you know, the Orioles, the Red Sox are playing good. Um, that's a tough division. I just don't see. I thought going into the year, guys, you know, I did not think the Yankees were the division favorite. The national media, because they're the Yankees, always seems to fall in love with that. Oh, they, they pay $300 million for their team. They got to be good. No, it's the same team that's crapped out in the playoffs the last three or four years with no offense. And, you know, you can't, you can't win in the playoffs if you can't score. I thought they were the third best team in the division behind the Rays and the Jays. They might be the fourth best team because I think the Orioles might end up being better down the road. 
Yeah, I, Sal, I, Danger and I disagree on this. And I remember talking about this at camp with you. I, like, literally, the Phillies were kind of eh, the whole year, but then they get in, and all of a sudden, they're in the World Series because they're the, the hot team. So, I mean, this idea, I mean, I know we kind of park our car in the same garage here that uh, the expanded playoffs right now is not rewarding the best team, but for any fan of the Yankees or for the Mets or anything that's kind of lollygagging around, Sal, well, you guys. You got an expanded playoff format you can look forward to coming up in October. Well, and that's true. I mean, I do think the Yankees, you know, ultimately I think they'll find a way to get in. They've probably got to be better than third in the or better than fourth in the division. I think they do certainly have a good chance to get to the postseason. But the problem I have, guys, is that the Yankees every year in the playoffs, once they play the good teams with the good pitching staff, this lineup just is not built to succeed. This lineup is built to succeed in the regular season when they get three against the A's or three against whoever else. They, they're good during the season generally. When the postseason rolls around, you can't just rely on the two-run homer to win all your games. And that's what the Yankees have done for years and years now. And I just don't have a whole lot of confidence. They haven't done enough to change the roster outside of Harrison Bader. I mean, it's the same team. From last year, what's going to be different in October? I just, I just don't see it. Sal, you're gracious with your time to join us in the sports bar this afternoon and every time you stop in. Uh, I want to make sure you have plenty of time to talk about not just your Yankees newsletter that we, we know you're talking about out there that you've got uh, working, but also everything that you're doing with the DNC and the coverage that you have here for the Amherst and the Bills and everything moving forward. What are you working on, bud? Yeah, well, a little bit of everything today, Gene. I mean, tonight I've got the Amherst game and the NFL schedule coming out at the same time. So that's going to be a fun night of work for me. Um, yeah, but I'll be over in Buffalo tomorrow for the mini camp. So it never really ends when you're, you've got a support staff that's been just so decimated, you know, as ours, there's not a lot of guys working there anymore. So I pick up what I can and and what I can't get to, I, I just can't get to. Yeah, well, well, you know, we have a producer. Oh, no, oh, no, we, we don't, don't have we a don't have producer. No, that's, right. no, that's it. So we, we, we can relate. So <laughs> you guys know. <laughs> so, thank you, Sal. All right, take care, guys. You got it. Appreciate Sal. Sal Mariana joining us in the sports bar. Danger and Bataglia. Read his work at the DNC and reset the clock. Yeah, well, that's okay. Sal's been on with us a few times, but you can still get us confused. You can still, honestly, maybe he doesn't even know I'm in the room. Maybe he just thinks you're conducting the interview the entire time. Could be. (laughs) We sound, no, we sound so different, dude. I don't know. People still, still, we got to flip the sign over. It's been how many days since. Uh, a guest has gotten us confused. I think PJ was our last yeah. one. PJ Glasser. Um, and now PJ goes out of his way to make sure he recognizes. Yeah, he answers this question by saying, yes, Gene, I actually... Be- well, yes, he, Danger. He, I- he Like, he set the record, though. It was five inaccuracies in one interview. And we had the... Like, we couldn't even let him off the air. That like, won't be yeah, topped. No, no that no. won't be topped. No, that, that was good work. Yeah. Uh, we get to... I'll drink that next. We got some takes on tap in the sports bar. Gosh, with the NFL schedule release, with the Amherst, with everything going on here... Um, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff to get to here, and including my take here on what we saw in the National Hockey League here today. That uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of funny, and it's actually kind of good for the Sabers. And also a take uh, in regards to the NBA and what we saw <laughs> in the Lakers Warriors game. The NFL is working towards a final goal. I'll explain what you can expect before 
Roger Goodell actually retires as commissioner of the league. It's happening, and we you know, probably are starting to see the signs of it and realizing that it's happening, but this is just getting more crystal clear with each passing season. And I've also got a six-pack of plays tonight. My favorite plays in the NBA, in the NHL, and in Major League Baseball. Uh, you can play along. You can fade. You can follow. You know the drill. Because you're in the uh, danger zone. We'll serve up that six-pack next in the sports bar. It's time for I'll Drink to That on the Fan Rochester. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 